0: Today on Off Talkle Empire, we're getting you ready for week four? Five? Mm. (laughs) Today on Off Talkle Empire, we are starting this recording over and getting ready for week five, where the Big Ten Conference race will take shape, except in the West, uh, because Northwestern hasn't gotten time to, you know, get good at football yet, so uh, they still got to find a way to insinuate themselves into the standings, but elsewhere, elsewhere we're going to try and take shape here on Off-Tackle Empire, in week five, which this is. Your source for big game talk, it's Off-Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off-Tackle Empire, The official podcast of Off Tackle Empire, the official SB Nation blog of the Big Ten, the official conference of the Great Lakes and also like New Jersey and Maryland and wherever and 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 Nebraska to a lesser extent,
1: territories beyond. Yeah.
0: A lot of things are very official here. I am Steve Braun. I'm also known as Thumpasaurus, and I'm with my boy Andrew Kucheski. As always. Uh, we're here with a very, very sleepy dog, and we're going to talk about the first. Um, what? Just how many of these are conference games? It's it's the first time that we've had mostly conference. It's
1: actually only games. our own teams that are out of conference this week.
0: Yeah, uh, of course, you know Illinois has a homecoming with a you know with the Sun Belt opponent. Well, it's not homecoming because we don't understand what that is, but. Uh, and Michigan State is no, it, is hosting Western Kentucky.
1: can't be homecoming for you because you're not playing Wisconsin. So Yeah. But yes, before we get to the week that will be in the Big Ten, we'll look backwards as we typically do to try to balance these podcasts that we do every week.
0: So, because there's a lot of fun things. Now look, not important things because they weren't in the Big Ten. But a lot of fun things that happened outside of the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma is continuing its redefinition from a high-flying, can't-miss offensive program to a gritty reboot where they're all defense all the time as they manage. So
0: Oklahoma and Texas won conference games this week. One of those teams won 16-13 to 13 on a last-second field goal. The other one won 70-35. to 35. Which one was which?
1: <laughs> yeah, and obviously you're going to know because of the way we framed that, but certainly a little bit of a role reversal there. So they managed another narrow escape just edging West Virginia with a field goal. I don't think Oklahoma's going to fall outside the top five for that, but this does not look much like a vintage Lincoln-Riley offense.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's going on with the offense because Spencer Rattler has not been that great. They haven't been able to run the ball that well either. I mean, I I just don't know where their receivers are because they usually have a guy that's going to be able to make plays all by himself. Think about... Sterling Shepard, think about C.D. Land, think about D.D. Westbrook, well, think about Charleston Rambo, right. for instance. I was
1: going to say, answer that second one's easy. That
0: receiver is in Miami right now, uh, but... Because he prefers, like, losing high-profile games to, like, barely winning them when you should have won by more.
1: Yeah, I...
0: It's weird. I just what, There's something to say, because, you know, maybe he just wanted to overcome some more adversity and he wasn't getting enough of it. But the thing is, on paper, Rambo
1: isn't even Miami's number one. He had a huge game against Michigan State, but they've got other guys that they throw the ball to as much, if not more, than him most of the time. So I think he's in a similar sort of timeshare situation where he's not the clear number one, and he's on a way worse team. Miami's probably a fun place to play, even if the team sucks, but that's still weird to me. But anyway... Um, to your other point, though, I, you, you brought this up before, and I don't remember if it was actually on this pod or if we were just talking. I think it was on this pod. I
0: said I think Oklahoma's a bit of a mess this year.
1: Well, that, but specifically you mentioned Spencer Rattler and why he's not good. And it's like, well, it's because he was a quarterback recruited by Lincoln Riley rather than grabbed from
0: another team as a transfer to come in and be a Heisman winner. So, You wonder just how much of this Lincoln Riley is going to be able to keep up because it's what? It's year five? Well, sus- so all right, sustaining a run like he
1: did with Mayfield, yeah. Murray, and Hurts you just in a row was you just never going to really happen. You expect that so, all the time. Yeah, they are going to have it. At some point, they're going to need to be able to find their own because there's not going to be a quarterback like that worth taking in the transfer market every year. Most of the time... Their coaches understand those guys are worth keeping. It's just, like, said, it's been a really unusual series. of It's events. not that
0: he's been unable to recruit successful quarterbacks. You look at Tanner Mordecai, for instance. Yeah, who's, at SMU. Now, who's now a G- just,
1: who's now a JMC master. So. I, I mean,
0: I and mean, he went and I mean, imagine if they lose to TCU. I don't think they will because TCU is kind of bad this year. But Tanner Mordecai went and set them on fire. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I guess that's probably the kind of thing you talk about if you're a fan of a program like Oklahoma. I mean, you don't talk about losses much. So no. no.
0: No, but it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I certainly think that they're overrated at number four, but also, who are you going to put up that high? Well,
1: there's been plenty of teams. I mean, aside, even Alabama had a close shave against Florida. But other than that, everybody has struggled. Like, there, are, there aren't, there are I think there are fewer dominant teams this year than... It's Alabama and Georgia. I thought it was Alabama
0: and Clemson, but now it's Alabama and Georgia.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a lot more fun. I'm glad that we're getting that. So, before we get to Georgia and, and other, well, actually, we're not going to talk about Georgia... Why did we talk about Georgia? Well, for a minute, I... Oh, here's why we're going to talk about them. Because another one of the games that we identified as of interest last week, Arkansas at Texas A&M. Uh, Wusui Pig, the Razorbacks, controlled that throughout. It ended up only being a 10-point margin because Texas A&M does have a good defense. But Arkansas wins that. They move into the top 10. And now their reward, they get to go to Georgia this week. And then they go to Ole Miss the week after that. And then I think they play... They have another good game, another good opponent after that, but I don't remember who. But occasionally, there's some truth to this SEC being a slog week-in, week-out narrative. Like, that's, that's not totally made up. Because Texas A&M, although they're having trouble with this new quarterback situation, still a very good team. So you win that game. Now you have to go to Georgia, which, as you said, one of the elite teams in the country. And then you go and deal with Matt Corral and Ole Miss. So... Yeah, I, in some situations, it certainly does line up pretty poetically. Honestly, this probably happens more in teams like Arkansas that like Alabama doesn't have a stretch like this on their schedule. No. Granted, because they don't have to play themselves. I saw
0: something recently that uh, this week, this past week, Kansas State for the twenty-first time in the twenty-six-year history of the Big Twelve opened conference play on the road. Yeah, you I know see. what the odds are of that <laughs> happening if it was truly random? Astronomical. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, anyway, yep, it seems that Sam Pittman is the engine that makes Arkansas go, as he may have once been the sole engine that made Arkansas go in his last, tenu- in his last stay there. So, anyway, uh, Clemson needed a missed field goal from NC State to avoid a regulation loss, and then they didn't escape. Yeah, they lost it over time anyway. Thought by all means that, you know, that was the, the shot that should have felled them that then missed, and then that meant for sure that they were going to win it.
1: And, you know, it's just a shame that so many ESPN college football personalities had to learn how to pronounce Weunga Lele in the offseason, and now they've all forgotten so quickly. Like, they spent a lot of time making sure they got that right, and they just can't seem to get his name in their mouth anymore. And one
0: of the things that people have been saying, and I think you even said this, was that, you know, it turns out that, of course, Clemson is having a hard time adapting to life after Trevor Lawrence, one you know, just a generational prospect at quarterback, but DJ Youngle was like a top ten recruit. DJ Yungle was a kind of guy that out of high school had num- you know, had first round pick written all over him. So his physical tools are every bit as good as Lawrence,
1: especially at running the ball. A, he's
0: got a stronger arm. Yeah, which is not to say that he's a better
1: quarterback at 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 all. He's certainly far short of where Lawrence was at the same point in his curve,
0: but Clemson has Justin Ross back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But this is also, I mean, they lost a lot of experience. They they miss Travis. They miss
1: Travis Etienne pretty badly. You would think it'd be easy enough for them to find their running back. But this is also where a consistent weakness in their program has been finding, recruiting, and developing elite offensive lines. They don't have an offense that can overcome less than elite quarterback play, basically.
0: Despite the receivers they still have, you know, and across. that's a thing that they have had. While they've been good, yeah. That's now Deshaun Watson was made to do a lot, but Trevor Lawrence was never made to do all that much by himself, right? And they, yeah, they, Higa, they had etn around him. They had T Higgins,
1: um, so they've had plenty of weapons. They don't have quite that same level of experienced guys that they did for Lawrence, but yeah, I think the offensive line is really the biggest problem for him. He's he seen he comes off when I've seen him as a guy that just needs a little bit more time and a better situation to reach his potential and they're not getting there right now but anyway you said that apparently some Clemson fans online have reached a conclusion that well that's all there is to it time to pack it in and fire all these guys
0: well (laughs) you know or at least move on you know let them maybe let them move on at their own pace or whatever but you know it's clear that we're just never going to reach the heights that we did all those years ago all two of them all 20 yeah Again, and that's with the COVID year in the middle, so... Oh, three of them. No, it's been three years since they won the title. That, you know, that is a long time. <laughs> right. It's so long, long it's so long ago that Illinois was in a bowl game more recently than Clemson won a title. That is a long-ass time. Disgusting.
1: Fire dabbo now. Again, just what Because, again, they had 35 years of wandering in the desert since their last title. Now they get two in the span of three years, correct? They
0: had a whole verb named after them, which was blowing it in the most inconceivable possible way, and then they won two national titles. And now, I mean, again, they're <laughs> just,
1: again, they're going to get what they wish for, and, and Nick Saban's going to retire, and then Dabo's going to go and win ten titles with Alabama. That's, there's no other way that this can go, because it's just the consolidation of power. And by the way, they, they have the 11th ranked recruiting class in the country next year, too.
0: 11th? Are you shitting me? What the hell is Dabo doing? Maybe he wasn't just, you yeah. know... Spending so much of his time trying to break up players' unions, and maybe he could focus on recruiting. Did he know note- Nick Saban's always focused on recruiting? So Iowa State uh, is going to fall out of out of top twenty five at long last, as they've lost to Baylor and yeah, kind of started feels- to give Dave Miranda some more uh, some more mojo. I guess. I wonder they they really
1: they haven't looked as good ever since people started paying attention to them. Yep. <laughs> That's, maybe they're, they're just, the Bengals.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. We put them in prime time, and gonna, they're Andy Dalton as a team. Yeah. Um, um, elsewhere, UNC got absolutely housed by Georgia Tech. Hey, so. you know what? The Mac Brown quarterback makes me do when I pick him for fantasy purposes. He makes me howl. So you picked him too? I thought you were just mocking me when you said no. Those <laughs> I picked him. <laughs> no, I was counting on him. We are on the
1: the same shitty brainwaves this year, aren't we? Apparently. And just remember, if you don't meet my demands out there in listener land, I will pick your team's quarterback next week. And you will lose the game because of that. Oh, God.
0: Pick Charlotte's guy, please. Unmarked bills, please. Uh, Oak State takes down a technically ranked Um, K-State. I said that thing about K-State opening on the road. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest is 4-0 and and in the driver's seat for the, um, whatever division that they and Clemson are in. They're in the, the water division. No, the, that's, uh, that's the Atlantic. Division. Not the Atlantic, not the Coastal, the, the Conferential division.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know that the Atlantic is the one Clemson's in because in the lead-up and aftermath of the Miami game, they were all saying we can still win the Coastal. And I know it's because they don't play Clemson, which means Clemson's not in their division. Ah, Clemson's okay. not in the Coastal. She's Miami's in the Coastal, which is the division that, ro- like, rotates its winners It's like how there. I remember
0: leaders and legends. There is the... Where's Wisconsin? Where's Wisconsin? And, and, and why is Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin here division? Yes.
1: I still think we should go back to those. Everyone made fun of it, but at least it was something with a little bit of personality. East, west. Come on. Boring. Come
0: so, anyway. Um, Syracuse holds off Liberty Biberty. Semper Fi wonder how Malik Willis feels about going to a white supremacist-promoting university and then losing to Syracuse anyway. Yeah, Complicated questions. SMU beats TCU, and uh, to nobody's surprise, Sonny Dykes is setting everybody in Texas on fire, and he's going to be a problem for every opponent. But only if you keep him in Texas. If you try to transplant him to California... Well, he's just not going to be able to thrive in that kind of climate.
1: Yeah, he's going to get, like, the Washington job, and he's going to fail miserably.
0: He already got the Cal job and failed miserably.
1: Right, that, yeah, it's going to be basically the same thing. My favorite nobody, thing nobody, was when... Nobody uh, learned anything from it.
0: ...was the first paper to break the Sonny Dykes to Cal hire had some kind of filter that uh, censored his last name. <laughs> 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 and Florida State is 0-4. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So let's talk about this week in Big Ten. Let's talk about things that actually matter. Uh, I do want to mention Georgia because we said we wouldn't talk about them. Every now and then it occurs to me that whenever they score a touchdown, they play a song who with, that has its origins in uh, a song about how uh, notable slave you know slaver murderer John Brown may be dead now, but so long as we continue to fight those bastard Confederate slave mongers, his soul keeps marching on. That's what Georgia plays every time they score a touchdown. I've always appreciated. I've
1: always appreciated that as an institution about them. Yeah.
0: So Friday, 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 Maryland, the official team of Big Ten Fridays, Fridays yeah. after five, featuring the Maryland Terrapins I today. How
1: they, I wonder how they feel about that.
0: It's I don't know. I mean, mean, I mean, it is a pretty ACC thing, and by ACC, I mean, I guess wherever Louisville is. I mean,
1: small time as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it, like, once a year for my team, honestly. Like Michigan Michigan State always plays Friday night going into Labor Day week. I I want want to know why
0: Michigan hasn't played one of those. Because they have steadfastly said, we're not going to do it. And the Big Ten has said, okay, you don't have to. I wonder (laughs) if it's that simple for everybody. I doubt it. (laughs) I mean, what if every school just said, hey, collectively, we're not going to do it. I imagine they would
1: draw at random. And Maryland would play on Friday. (laughs) Well, you know... If you want that full share of big Ten money, you will shut your mouth and do what you're told. Fast forward
0: another six years, and Michigan says, we're not going to play on a Friday night. And then their boss goes, oh, fuck you! Yes, you are! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Because 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 everything's owned by... uh,
1: Listen to Michigan's fucking problems.
0: (laughs) Because everything's owned by Disney. So, Maryland has gotten to 4-0... A very different way than Iowa has, but also kind of. I mean, it's very different, but it's also very similar. Well,
1: I don't think Iowa's head. So, are, you, are we comparing Iowa's struggles with Colorado State to Maryland needing to bet, needing a Houdini against Illinois? Because Iowa doesn't really have anything quite like that. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. But you look at the the the, the shakiness inherent and like, hey, there's there's. There's like, there's a, it's basically, if you're a fan of either of these teams, and certainly one more than the other, it's gotta be a lot like being an officer on the Death Star and knowing about the thermal exhaust port, <laughs> right? I really hope <laughs> Yes. I really hope Yes. It. We are, we, we are defeating the Rebels. In the back of your head, you just like. In
1: great numbers. And then you, <laughs> and then you're like watching the, but it's like. No. Do you think, do you think they know, they can't know about the. Can they? Oh, oh boy. They they seem to know about the thing. And then you think to yourself, God, how could they
0: not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's at the end of the tube around the middle of the fucking station. Yeah. Uh, so this is low key the game of the week, in my opinion, because 4 0 against 4 0. Quite a bit of the shine is off of Wisconsin now, even though that's probably a more impactful game for divisional positioning. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not. I feel like we are still assuming that whatever happens in the East, even with all these pretty good teams, you know, Michigan State, Maryland, Rutgers, that it's really going to come down to Penn State and Ohio State. So it kind of doesn't
0: matter. This is really, this is the Big Ten East leader versus the Big Ten West leader. Maryland has played two conference games. Yeah. Got on their level, Penn State. That's true. (laughs) So this is the Big Ten championship game preview as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Well, normally... On paper, you would feel pretty good about this matchup. I just... This feels like the kind of game where Maryland's effective passing attack runs into the same cover two that Iowa's been running for 30 years, and they can't figure out how to
0: crack it. And Yeah, that's the thing. Maryland hasn't played any pass defense that's on the level of Iowa because Illinois actually did... Figure something out by putting pressure on Talia Tagovailoa. He was he is very good when he's in the pocket and he's comfortable. He struggled bailing out. He struggled trying to make throws on the run. Uh, he didn't operate very well outside the pocket. Uh, of course, you know his opponent on the sideline uh, was terrible in the pocket and was really only good whenever they were rolling him out and throwing him on the run. Brandon Peters, who can only do difficult things and yeah. only those. But point is, I think Iowa. It's probably gonna be looking at that Illinois game tape because even though Maryland finished with a lot of you know, a lot of yards, a lot of them came on the last drive and they limited Illinois limited Maryland's ability to make explosive plays, I think Iowa's got way more of a chance to do the same thing, but way better and more consistently. And more by design of the defense, which often does
1: again drop safeties back, plays a lot of zone. So this is going to be interesting. It's going to be important, I think, for Maryland to establish the run and not put it all on to so that when You don't does, want
0: the Iowa front seven to be able to, to, to pass rush without fear right. of overrunning the running play. Right. So
1: that'll be interesting to see. I, to be honest with you, I don't know what Iowa's offense looks like against this Maryland defense. Maryland's got the athleticism to hold down this run game. Iowa's struggled to get that going consistently this year. And I just wonder if Mike Loxley is the coach who realizes if you make Spencer Petras beat you, you have an advantage against Iowa. I just We'll see. He's certainly passed up opportunities like that in the
0: past. Mike Loxley was on the Illinois staff when they shut down Sean Green in 2008. So? And then Iowa didn't beat us again until 2014 because we didn't play them. Uh, so, let's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think we both like Iowa to win here. Yeah. But if Maryland wins, how do they do it?
1: I think they win, like I guess I think they win by establishing the run game because they do have in Fleet Davis and Jacobs a couple of guys who are capable of breaking long plays, especially Fleet Davis.
0: And I think actually what they should do is kind of what they did against Illinois, which was they totally sold out against the interior rush game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well it'll have to be a little bit different approach because Iowa Iowa the, does run the stretch. Iowa way. runs the outside zone so much, yeah. But the, your point is taken, though, which is you really do have to take Goodson away and make their other guys beat you because, even again, even with Keegan Johnson showing up last game, it's not like this Iowa passing attack is much to be feared. You you've don't got, have to go got, full
0: Steelers in the playoffs against Tim Tebow yeah. and put 10 in the box, but...
1: One potential issue <laughs> But you should here, never do that. I, and again,
0: we record pretty early
1: in the week, so I don't know what the stats is going to be here, but they... Maryland did have Nick Cross, one of their starting safeties, excellent guy, probably going to be an early draft departure, uh, go down with an injury last week. If he's not back, you might look for Sam LaPorta to have a pretty big game. I think Cross would probably be the guy who covers him more often, but I can't pretend that I know how they're going to match that up exactly. But anyway, Cross being out is a big loss for the Maryland secondary. So if they do what we think is a sensible thing and zero in on on the run game... Petrus will have the opportunities downfield, especially if Cross is out. Just a question of whether he can take those.
0: Yep. Let's talk about non-conference games. Let's just breeze through through these here. We kind of talked about Washington, Kentucky at Michigan State yeah. because Western Kentucky played Indiana last week.
1: Yeah, and I, I would hope when Michigan State's got the ball that they're able to get their running game back right. They found essentially no traction against Nebraska. This is not the same quality of defensive front. And I would really like some evidence that their previous success
0: wasn't just terrible tackling on the part of Northwestern and Miami. Now, you wrote that this team more closely resembles the Brahms slash teams. No, it resembles the Brahm teams because the Tagger teams, oddly enough, ran the ball extremely effectively, yeah, yeah. whereas the Brahm teams were like, let's do 60 passing attempts per game and have that be a winning strategy instead of a clear sign that we're losing.
1: Yeah. So, Michigan State has yielded a fair amount of... So What they've done consistently so far is played a lot of fairly soft coverage, and basically forced their opponents to dink and dunk down the field. And they've played a couple, and to their credit, that has worked consistently because whether it was Hunter Johnson or Derek King or Adrian Martinez, they had quarterbacks running offenses that could not do that for different reasons. But basically, offenses who could not efficiently move down the field. I don't know if that's as I don't know if that's as good of a strategy against Bailey Zappi. The guy looks much more capable of doing that while also still getting the occasional big play i think their pass rush is going to be important and as with maryland they have injuries on defense that are still very much up in the air drew beasley left the game against nebraska and was in a boot on the sideline they were already missing a couple other guys you know jack camper um tank brown depth guys on the defensive line so They still still got seven sacks against Nebraska, and that was missing a few guys.
0: I think Nebraska's defense is much more robust than that of Western Kentucky, and I think that it would behoove the Spartans to run the ball a lot.
1: Yes, and they probably will, honestly.
0: And (laughs) limit the opportunities that Western Kentucky has to throw the ball all over their, their, uh, their secondary.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of consternation about Michigan State's play calling against Nebraska, but I'm like, look... Nothing was working. I don't know what... Like, Do you want them to call a pass where Thorne's got a guy in his face immediately? Do you want them to call an inside run where the blocking doesn't work? Or do you want them to call a receiver sweep where the defense also seems to know it's coming and get to that in time? Like, Nebraska's defense just outplayed Michigan State's offense on a down-to-down basis. That shouldn't happen against Western Kentucky. All
0: right. So Charlotte, Illinois... I just don't need to say very much about Illinois anymore, and uh, I think after this week it might be even less, but let's talk about Charlotte. So yeah. Charlotte's big win came over Duke, but they are 3-1. Now, an interesting thing I wanted to talk about last week with Duke is Duke is 3-1, and one, but they still might be one of the worst Power 5 teams. Here's their win, okay, over Northwestern starting Hunter Johnson, over North Carolina a and over Kansas this past weekend, yeah, those are, you, you. You could scarcely assemble three less convincing wins. Um, Charlotte, on the other hand, they beat Duke. They also um, they beat Gardner Webb, and they did beat Middle Tennessee State uh, last week, which you know is a decent team on offense. Their sole loss is to Georgia State. Georgia State's one and two, but Georgia State also had Auburn dead to rights. Yeah, on the road, Georgia State should absolutely have won that game. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go on record and say I am terrified of this game. I actually, I am actually pretty sure that we're going to lose at this point because Charlotte has shown a really good ability to throw the ball and, um, not just throw the ball, but but do so in a versatile fashion that allows them to throw it. You know. Short, intermediate, long, uh, have a lot of control over it. Uh, reminds me a lot of kind of what UTSA was forced to do when we took away Sincere McCormick. Uh, of course, Sincere McCormick is what is how they want to run their offense, but we successfully took that away. Will Healy is a young, up-and-coming coach that everybody's got on their watch list. And I, I think that he's just going to get his resume even more polished with the uh, road win at Illinois, where I think, once again, we'll be looking at the guy that we paid a shitload of money to coach because he understands what the game is all about at this level, and looking over at the 30-something wonderkind over there on the low, you know, lower FBS uh, sideline saying, God damn it, why can't our coach just do the things this guy does? <laughs> Shit! Anyway, uh, I'm going to be in the beautiful Holland area while this game is going on, and uh, I at least did fight for... I want to at least be able to tune into StatCast around, uh, you know, 3 o'clock, 3.30, just so I can see how short it is when Brett Bielema decides to punt it away instead of giving it to Josh McRae. Um, I'd like it if Bielema was coaching for his job. He absolutely should be, only because he, and he alone, single-handedly did this speed run from darling to goat. I can't believe how quickly he's turned around the narrative for his, for his own competence. Like, him and Scott Frost are in this death race for who can <laughs> undermine themselves the most. And it's a goddamn shame we already played. Like, can you imagine what it would be like if Illinois and Nebraska kept one-upping each other as far as how they can lose games and then embarrass themselves in the post-game presser, and then they play each other at the end of the season? Can you imagine how magical that would be? Yeah, I haven't heard
1: any plans for this kind of thing happening, but if the Big Ten did decide to do, you know, the conference championship thing where not only the division
0: champions play, but you also play no, that's others, too cool. It'll never happen again, and it didn't even really happen the first time. Yeah, because half of those games ended up being canceled. But God, I would have loved to play Michigan last year.
1: Yeah, but but then instead of, <laughs> I just wish instead of automatically pairing up with your numerical opposite, you know, second and second, fourth and fourth, and whatever that you just let the teams... you just It's like a game of musical... Cheer. Like you could just pick who you want to play, depending on who you can get to agree to play you, but you have to play somebody. And if you Grudge match! And if you don't pick by a certain deadline, then the conference assigns you. and Not at random. They assign you based on how they want it to turn out. So, again, that's just the kind of interesting thing I want to see because, yeah, an Illinois-Nebraska rematch... Well, I got to. I think they'd beat you
0: by thirty. But, yeah. Um, so Illinois basically has no quarterbacks, and the biggest problem, and I don't ever see anybody address this on the broadcast is they never talk about on the sidelines the, the the dudes who have all the offensive staffs' families tied up in their basements and are saying <laughs> we'll kill them if you ever pull Brandon Peters, <laughs> right? Because like those guys seem to be like one of the biggest X factors as far as the game is concerned. I don't know what more you need to see from Brandon Peters to, to, to at least, I mean, especially the longer we go, the more games we lose, the less it even matters. Yeah. you what, what <laughs> going mean, to be really, here next year, hopefully. There, yeah,
1: there really will come a point where you do have to see if, what you've got at the future of the
0: position. But if we're talking about how little it matters, well, shouldn't that kind of thing also compel you to go for it on fourth and short? I right. don't know. Well, right, And so if your coach refuses to do that, then... I don't know. I I, I, (laughs) shit man. I mean I hope that all twenty thousand Illinois fans in attendance boo the living shit out of Bielema if he punts on fourth and short in opponent territory with a lead again. All right. Um, that's all we need to say. Ohio State at Rutgers.
1: So I will say here that the game being at Rutgers, fifteen and a half is probably the lowest line we've seen in this matchup by a wide margin since Rutgers joined the conference. I don't expect Rutgers to actually win this game, probably not even the cover. And I'm, I'm just going to reiterate again, I'll try not to belabor the point. I know that most people, including me most of the time, are still patting Greg Schiano on the head for turning Rutgers into a competent outfit as quickly as he has, but I do reiterate. It's cost them two wins over Michigan in the last year plus now. And even if they play Ohio State close in this game, which they could, they've shown the ability to stop up even good running games, I do not trust Shiano to make winning moves anymore. So Ohio State's going to win. It's just a matter of by how much. And we'll see if this walkthrough that they had last week against Akron helped OSU sort some things out defensively, or if that linebacker quitting is totally irrelevant either way, and they once again look terrible on defense. I don't. Rutgers doesn't necessarily have the offensive firepower, but they schemed themselves quite well against Michigan, against a much more talented defense than their offense is. They still found ways to make yards and outgain their opponent on the road.
0: Oh man, here's what I'm thinking. I, I don't know why this didn't occur to me, but I have to go to Illinuckers now. Because we've said this about both the coaches in that game, that they make the game-losing move at the end of the game. And so I think the end game for that is going to be like, Two, two guys that their, their only move in beer pong is is just kind of spray and pray or doing the bounce, trying to hit the last cup, but <laughs> trying really hard not to knock it off the end of the table. So just coming up short every time, just because that's the defensive move. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to flinch, bro. Are you going to flinch? No. Just trying desperately not to lose the game. I got to go to that game. Oh, my God. So, uh... I mean, you got to think that that just by sheer volume of playmakers at the skill positions, um, this game will look very different than Michigan Rutgers.
1: Right. Really, the other major point of intrigue, of course, is what do they do at quarterback? Do they say again, oh, yeah, Stroud's not healthy enough to play. We're just going to have to get a longer look at this other guy for a second. I think (laughs) there's obviously a balance there because, one, if he really is hurt,
0: you need to give him time to heal. Is Quinn Ewers not a normal five-star quarterback? Because aren't they running out of time to start him before he transfers? Is that just not how five-star quarterbacks work anymore? Well, I, or is that I, just a thing that happened in the last five years? The dude the dude reclassified. Like
1: He's probably not ready to play as talented as he is. Uh, and he's not the guy that they went to when they had an opportunity to play somebody else. So, I don't know. I, it, I'm just saying, like...
0: You know, you know what I mean, though, right? That doesn't seem that worse now.
1: He reclassified and de- and decided that he was coming less than two months ago, <laughs> and because he's not the starting quarterback as a true freshman, seventeen-year-old, it, it would be a lot even for a guy of his talent to be like, "All right, I'm out already." Like, I fuck Ohio State with right. two C's. Depends on how close of friends he was
0: with Kayvon Pope, I guess. So, anyway, Minnesota at Purdue. I'm really intrigued in this one because I'm always intrigued in this one.
1: Yeah, and I mentioned in the recap episode that notwithstanding their terrible showing against Bowling Green, I do kind of like this setup here for Minnesota to have a bounce back game. They plainly intend to run the ball as much as they can, and what have we seen from Purdue, even, in the, even managing the win against Illinois, as well as in the loss against Notre Dame, their defense has gotten a lot better. Schematically, they're better, and their starters are better, but they do also show something of a tendency to wear down because the depth really isn't where it needs to be yet, in my opinion. So. See, what I want to
0: say about Purdue's performance last week on defense was that it was yet another just emblematic uh, performance of like being able to shut down the kind of offense Minnesota wants to run. On the other hand, uh, all the evidence that suggested that the main, the key thing, the biggest key to stopping the Illinois offense is you need to put 11 players on the field. That seems to be the biggest thing that you have to do. Um, True. But, I mean, just how much worse is Purdue than Wisconsin, if at all? Look at their common results with Notre Dame. I mean, Uh, I do think Purdue's defense is maybe the best that they've had uh, under Jeff Rahm. Yeah, probably so. That first year, they were pretty good. Hazel had left them some seniors, but nothing else. And on the other hand, on the other side, Minnesota's offense looks like one of the worst that P.J. Fleck has had. So far. Right, or at least I'm... one of the most one-dimensional.
1: But to finish the point I was making, though, because Minnesota, is, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out as determined to run the ball as ever. Does P.J. Fleck seem like the type to compromise if, he's been, if it's been proven that what he's doing is a bad idea, or is he going to continue to do the same thing?
0: What do you think? It hasn't, nothing's been proven. Has it been proven in a court of law? Has yeah. it been written in the stars? Has it been, have I seen the reflection of its writing in the stars? Please don't tell me about the acronym that you have for this situation. Have, I'm have not, I seen I am not its reflection, the reflection of it written in the stars off the side of my boat? We have a saying here in Minnesota. It's called stubborn. S-T-U-U-B-R-N. And what that means, S stands for, uh, i have zoned out already, I'm not paying attention. So. And, and, the, and, the, and the last E stands for energy. <laughs> we <laughs> right, use right. the word oski Presum- presumably there's an e on the end of it Yes. So,
1: but again what, what I'm saying is that at, all joking aside I do think if there's a team that you want to run the ball relentlessly against Purdue could be that team because they do show a little bit of a tendency to wear down at the end Purdue is going to have an interesting choice to make at quarterback as well I don't recall exactly did Plummer come out because he was hurt or just no, their because their offense he was wasn't in, really he was ineffective. He wasn't effective.
0: He was ineffective and then O'Connell went in and threw a pick, but well he after it, I mean, few, it was, after it was a, making a few big plays too. Yeah, yeah no so, O'Connell was more effective. Um
1: and we did see we did see what there is there, which is that maybe O'Connell has a little bit bigger of an arm but also more prone to mis- also prone to the picks, prone and to sacks. Way less
0: athletic. Yeah, far less mobile in the pocket.
1: So that'll be an interesting decision again. Produced in like year three and a half now of this quarterback derby between
0: those. two Also guys. O'Connell between the two of them. O'Connell has to do way more work to make his mouth look like it's smiling in his picture.
1: I'll have to keep an eye on that because I don't know what you mean, but I'm sure you're not making that up, and now I have a reason to pay attention to this game, so anyway. Uh...
0: We've got one of these going on. <laughs> See, you'll notice that translates really well to the medium yeah, yeah. of audio. Yeah,
1: for sure. We'll, so again, quarterback is not the only situation where Purdue has a decision to make. They have a number of guys coming off of injuries, dealing with injuries. If they're at full strength, I suppose you'd probably like Purdue, but... Don't be surprised if Minnesota bounces back pretty well from that horrendous effort last week.
0: Indiana at Penn State.
1: I would expect something of a vengeance angle from Penn State for being on the receiving end of the pylon moment last year. I would say that Indiana took a big step forward last week, but I don't know that a narrow escape, even against the Live Wire Conference USA team, translates very well to going to Happy
0: Valley and winning. Yeah, because... They're just going to have a much better defense than Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is a pretty one-dimensional team. Yeah. So I expect this to look, oh, I hate to say this, but more like the Iowa game than the Western Kentucky game. Um, I, don't I don't think mean, it'll be that bad, but yeah. I'm saying if you're going to tell me that it looks, if you're going to give me a spectrum, oh, yeah. I'm going to put it more towards Iowa. The question's going to be, can Michael Penix uh, make plays early? You know, He's going to need You saw him lose confidence against does, Iowa. Right, does he keep the game pressure on Penn State, basically? Yeah. Can they establish the run? Can they get something going with Stephen Carr? Can they make it so that... Can they keep their playbook open? Yeah, so that so that doesn't all fall on Peck's shoulders and he's got... Basically, this? can they avoid the kind of shit that happened to them in the first quarter against Iowa where just calamity led to calamity and it, it really rolled down... It was not really as bad a game as maybe the score indicated. It's yeah. just that things fell apart so completely for them right, right. at the start of the game that, that you know, that's it all rolled though, downhill.
1: We did. I did comment that Penn State's having a little bit of an issue getting their own run game going here. You know Indiana's not going to give you much there. And they've got the guys in the back end to keep up with Dotson and Washington. So... I can see this being kind of a low-scoring game. It is a night game. I don't know if it's been announced as a whiteout, but don't isn't it all pretty much always a whiteout when they play at home at night?
0: No, I guess they save that one for what's supposed to be their, their, their best game. Uh, I mean, they uh, usually generally wear white. It's just they only call it a whiteout when it's their... Okay, fair enough. But it's still a home night game.
1: I would imagine it's still going to be a raucous crowd because... Penn State's fans can't have forgotten the indignity of losing to Indiana once in a while. In front of nobody. (laughs) That was such a tragedy, man. Empty stadium when they finally picked off Penn State. Anyway, so the line is Penn State by 11. I'd probably like Indiana to cover that. I haven't made my picks yet, but I think they keep it close. I think Penn State wins, but probably by something like a touchdown. Yeah,
0: I mean... (laughs) You look at it on paper, and, and, and you're right. The things that Penn State does well, uh, Indiana might be able to, at the very least, keep up with them. But I think Indiana is more poised to exploit their weaknesses on offense than anything. Yeah. So, you want to try to make Penn State... Uh, basically, what's going to happen is that Indiana is going to be, probably be able to easily take away the effectiveness of their running game and make Sean Clifford beat them. But Sean Clifford has been able to beat people. That's the problem. He has he has
1: quietly taken a step forward there. I I wonder if people kind of wrote the book on him based on his first couple seasons and haven't necessarily paid too close of attention.
0: I mean, he looks like a very different player.
1: Yeah, which you know, again, he's an upperclassman now, right? You you expect and hope that guys do get better as they play over time, and that does happen at other schools. I keep forgetting that. (laughs) And and also the relief of not having a backup. That you know is going to take snaps away from you when Will Levis left, like that kind of thing probably helps the confidence of a quarterback. But anyway, so now we move on to maybe the what's usually been the weirdest game <laughs> whenever it happens, which is the Nunu game.
0: No, 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 New oh, new-new. no, 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 no. Oh, no, Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 so this is on BTN. I really hope that Lisa Byington is on this because man, I, she, she generally I I kind of liked her coming into this year, but she she's gotten some real Beth Moyness vibes this year. She she could not get Brandon Peters or Josh McCray's name right last week. Continued to call him Peterson and McCrary. Um, I don't know if she just came into the Purdue game, Purdue Illinois game, just uh, you know, uh, really tired or hungover or what, but. She, I mean, if she carries that big Moen's energy into this game, it would be very appropriate if she's even on it.
1: she Right. She could also be kind of, you know, walking out the clock on college football because she's going to become the full-time voice of the Bucks. You know that, right? I didn't. Yeah. She's going to be the first full-time female play-by-play announcer for the, I think in major sports history, but certainly for the NBA.
0: Yeah. No, I generally good. like her. Yeah. I just good, thought good. she was, no, good just thought her, she was but... really, really bad in she that she, game. She, we all have off weeks, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no, I, be... no. We don't all have off weeks. I just occasionally have on weeks.
1: <laughs> so, Every
0: now and then, I'm very representative of my alma mater in that way.
1: You know, on paper, I would think that Nebraska's got the clear advantage here. But what is your mentality after losing a game the way you do last week? I don't, It's these are college kids, man. Uh, uh, you
0: know, a lot of they've got a pretty experienced roster, but still. Look, as our esteemed colleague, Evan Wildcat, who's who is just crushing our fantasy league, by the way, our college fantasy league right now. Yeah, well, he, has, as to, he, he, he said, has
1: to cheer for Northwestern, so we can give him something.
0: As he once said, "Look, if you think you know how a Northwestern game is going to end, you are lying. <laughs> to yourself more than anything
1: else. And, boy, I, these, these are two of the less scrutable teams in the league right now. That's about all that I'll say. Down-to-down, down, Nebraska should squash Northwestern if their common opponent performances against Michigan State are any indication.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I have no idea. I do not think that the greenery is legal in Nebraska, which is a shame because, because it's legal. I can't imagine. There's, there's these great vape products that you can take to stave off any creeping anxiety that you have about Saturday because, god damn, imagine losing this game. Frost could use a bowl a night, couldn't he? Well, I mean, he could use a bowl of some kind. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I
1: teed you up and didn't even realize that. I threw you an alley-oop just like like casually tossing the ball over my shoulder and you just windmill dunked it while I wasn't even looking. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. All right. Uh, But honestly, Northwestern's a really bad passing offense this year, regardless of who they start at quarterback. Nebraska has been very stout against the run, which is what Northwestern's going to want to do. There is no reason for Northwestern to score more than 14
0: points in this game. On the <laughs> other hand, Nebraska has... Nebraska's... Uh, the most points Nebraska has allowed to a team is against Illinois. Yeah, if you're
1: Nebraska, you better scheme up your opening game script damn carefully and get points on the board early to make sure your crowd stays in your corner. Because if you come out and give up, you, you know, go three and out, and then Northwestern scores a touchdown or something, even that crowd could God, very that's well bleak could very well turn on them. God, that's bleak. given what they just saw last week. That's um, bleak. That's so, just really bleak to think about. But again, like, tell me about the history of this matchup. That it, didn't we talk about this in the offseason, That it's like it's a one score game every time. Like, because that's, that's not where, even.
0: I mean, because it. Out of all of the Northwestern games, this is the most Northwestern game of all of the matchups that they play. Like, Because I, I tell you how Northwestern games are all the time, but this particular matchup seems to bring out the very most Northwestern of games. And the
1: thing is, if it's close, that's where Pat Fitzgerald
0: lives, and that's where Scott Frost's nightmares happen. That, well, that's where Scott Frost dies, is where Pat Fitzgerald lives.
1: Yeah. Uh, come out, throw your best punch early if you're in Nebraska empty the playbook, hold nothing back, get a lead, and get yourself right, and you should be fine. Let this game linger, let doubt creep in once again, and Pat Fitzgerald is going to stare into the abyss, and it won't stare back at him, it'll stare back at you.
0: Yeah, some some really weird, like, basically his pupils will just disappear, and then, uh, again, I don't remember who it was that put it this way, but it will be losing, and then at the end of the third quarter, They'll just all all their opponents just turn into like the like the electric football players and just start like (laughs) just start moving around shaking in unpredictable ways as Northwestern just kind of scores touchdowns and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Michigan at Wisconsin. What are we thinking about this? Because boy, if you look at vibes, let's go a vibe check. And I like Michigan by two touchdowns. Well, the line is dead even right now. Really? And it's at Camp Randall. Yeah. So that should tell you something.
1: By vibes, yes. Michigan's perhaps not riding as high as they were before Rutgers controlled their entire offense. But they still won that game. Wisconsin is an absolute shambles on offense. All you have to do if you're
0: Michigan is force Gramberts to beat you. And yes, you win by multiple touchdowns. I'm going to go ahead and make a... Make an apology to Michigan because we never wrote off their 2020 season as a product of COVID. And it certainly seems like it is. They are Jim Harbaugh, Michigan right now. Yeah, just say they're pretty good. Just say they're pretty good. We haven't seen what their ceiling is, but we know that their floor is very high.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I I would say that if they don't pick up a win in Madison here, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Because, again, this is... This seems like a great opportunity to catch a team while they're bleeding still and I do think vulnerable. Michigan, I do think Michigan's got to break their tendency a little bit and attack down the field early. I think if you get some big plays through the air, loosen up Wisconsin's defense, and I know that nobody ever admits it, not players, not coaches, not anybody. There's got to be tension in the locker room when you have an imbalance between offense and defense like this, right? Regardless of which way it goes. Oh, yeah. When one side of the ball does their job, not just does their job, but does it excellently. And the other side hurts the team's cause with how bad
0: they are. I, I, I mean, I've, I've seen enough bits and pieces of like low, you know, candid off the, off the record and after the fact interviews with players to know that it is like that. Yeah, it really is like that.
1: And we've got to be getting to that point with this Wisconsin offense, which has. Falling short of the standard of the defense sets and really of their
0: own, like they're never this. It's all season. End. I mean, the Penn State game alone, they, they held them to what, five yards in the first half and, and they lost and, the game? And lost the game.
1: And yeah, it, like some of the plays that these guys have made, this kind of
0: feels. I mean, I think it's a thing that a lot of players don't even really admit to themselves.
1: No, you might not. Again, because you're so pro,
0: like, whole team unit, rolling this together, like, yeah, the thought may not even occur, but how can you help... Well, it's one of those things, the thought creeps into your head and you say, no, I'm a bad person for thinking no, that. Yeah, no, I, no, 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 that's not what, what good, I yeah, actually gotta think. gotta be a good teammate. Nope, I'm forcing that go. thought out of my head. Nope, but it's there. Yeah. Um, so, all of which is to say that there's a big
1: opportunity for Michigan here. I really think they're, better, they're best advised to take shots deep early, because... With what they've put on tape, Wisconsin's gonna commit to the to stopping the run early. They'll think that's what Michigan wants to do.
0: Wisconsin hasn't shown the ability to uh, come back in games. Uh, they've barely shown the ability to hold a lead in games. Yeah, they, so you got to think that if Michigan gets a touchdown. And then a turnover that that could be the whole or game. just
1: to, or just getting the ball back, even
0: if they just get a defensive. Basically, stop. a ten yeah. nothing lead for Michigan will look insurmountable,
1: and it might well be because there's no evidence that Wisconsin has the kind of balance on offense to come up with that. It, it, if it's any point after you know, midway second quarter, that game pressure is going to start
0: to ratchet up if Michigan gets a multi score. Because Michigan's yeah. defense was good against Rutgers. Rutgers, not a good offense, but Wisconsin, also not a good offense.
1: Yeah, I, I think...
0: We're talking about Wisconsin's offense and Rutgers' offense in the same breath here. And you kind of got to think about it, right? So and it's not an unfair comparison. Yeah. I mean, I, you really gotta, Rutgers you, doesn't turn the ball over as often.
1: You're really going to tell me Wisconsin wouldn't take Noah Vedrill as their starting quarterback right now if they had the chance? I think you'd be dumb not to. I get that Mertz still has a ceiling that he could hit that Vedrill's nowhere near, but Vettel played good enough for them to beat Michigan in the Big House last week. Burst doesn't have a single data point in his career like that.
0: Yeah, well, you know. No, he does. not Unless there was that yeah. one time when he threw the five touchdowns. <laughs> you know? And that became his entire brand. That one time.
1: All right, so that does it for the Big Ten slate. Now I'll take a quick tour around. Is he Matt Flynn? You just gotta play. Wisconsin just needs to play Illinois more often, and
0: he'll sell so much merch. <laughs> yep. So, Arkansas plays Georgia in other news that's not very important.
1: I So, there's, there's important in the sense that we don't care about the outcome, but it's still a game that I think could be worth watching. Also, we have Cincinnati at Notre Dame. I don't even like Luke Fickle, but he's got an important task here. We also have Ole Miss at Bama, which has been a, a
0: very entertaining game for the most part since Lane Kiffin has been at Ole Miss. You know what? I want Luke Fickle to bring in Marshawn Gilliard for this one, to talk to the team about it beforehand. I want him to bring the whole 2009 Cincinnati team in to talk to this Cincinnati team about Brian Kelly and what he meant to them. Specifically, the way that the team found out that he was leaving for Notre Dame at their year-end banquet that he did not attend. I'll put it straight into my eyeballs. You know what? You know what we didn't talk about? Ryan Kelly is now the all-time wins leader at Notre Dame. Good. Notre Dame deserves to have that guy be their all-time uh, wins leader. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that that's the guy. That that guy, who is despicable even by the standards of college football coaches, is now... The most winning coach at Notre Dame. He is at the top of their leaderboards with no championships to his name. No conference championships because there are no conferences. And no national championships because its teams can't be bothered to show up for them.
1: So anyway, Ole Miss-Bama, Arkansas-Georgia, C action for you. Ole Miss-Bama
0: is going to be fun <laughs> as shit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Even though I don't think this Alabama offense is what they've had the last couple years. How could it be after losing four first-round receivers? But in this game, it will look like it because... Ole Miss still hasn't play defense. <laughs> and uh, under no
0: circumstance is Lane Kiffin ever going to give up on the idea of scoring. Hey. <laughs> but again, that's, look, that's intellectual leader
1: and ethical voice of college football, Lane Kiffin, to you. And I mean that with not a shred of irony at this point. A couple of Big 12 games that also interested me, Oklahoma at Kansas State. Um, also, oh, sorry, that was last week. Um, oh, Oklahoma, oh, no, at, Oklahoma Kansas Kansas at Kansas yeah. State. Well, I mean, Skylar Thompson nothing is to see not now. there. Yeah, so, that, so probably, that probably means there is nothing to see here, but historically, K-State has stuck in Oklahoma's craw. Also, Baylor and Oklahoma State, two perhaps surprisingly so undefeated teams in what i describe as a contest to see who lurks to take over the leaderboard if Oklahoma stumbles.
0: The thing about Skylar Thompson is that it's like, when you want to name your kid Tyler... But also, you kind of want to throw a little bit of Kyle in there. And then you got Kyler Murray, but then you want to name him that. But you're like, well, no, I wanna, I wanna have him be above these type of names, though. I want him to be like could way above. Else, I want to be up so Skyler. And
1: could we Boom. also, and could we sprinkle a little bit of Scott in there? just, yeah. just at the very. I'm, a, I'm
0: Scott, Kyle, and Tyler, as a all treat. in one. Just a little
1: bit of Scott as a treat.
0: And people thought it was silly that that someone tried to do Jermaine and Michael and ended up with JerMichael Finley. Come on. That's pretty reasonable by these standards. Your source for Big Ten Talk gets off tackle, and Empire!